0: For JD Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com/awards. Only at Sleep Number Stores or sleepnumber.com.
1: Ahí va a llegar el gol del Arsenal Ophel. Marca Mesut Ozil. Como puede
2: ser y puede ser y pinta bien pero va This is Arscast Extra. Hello and welcome to another ArsCast Extra, as always with James from Gunner Blog. James. James? Yeah the arseblog robot commander
1: wishes everybody a very goodly morning also pep is (laughs) (laughs) wow a uh, a message from the future yeah to, to wish us a goodly morning
2: incredible indeed our robot overlords are pleased with the work that we have done this weekend and why wouldn't they be
1: of course we've we've pleased them we've pleased them enormously we've pleased everybody enormously mm. it's uh, an exceptionally goodly morning to all our listeners today
2: yes Thank you for being here. Uh, I did notice a lot of people yesterday on Twitter saying, come on, give us the podcast today. Give us a podcast. Come on, make it a goodly morning today. Uh, you know, maybe we could have uh, under different circumstances. But look, we're here now and we're uh, determined to make this a very goodly morning for everybody listening, as we always try to do. But it's helped, of course, when Arsenal do something like what they did on Saturday night uh, against Manchester City. Yeah. Look,
1: they, they didn't want the podcast on Sunday let me tell you I was so hungover on the Sunday <laughs> the podcast would have just been me kind of going eh, like that for an hour and a half they didn't want that this oh. is this is the one they want.
2: Oh no what if we had got you going like uh, in a robot voice sort of like this we... oh they
1: actually yeah, yeah that would have been a good one yeah. five stars <laughs> Sounds a bit like Gary Neville celebrating a goal.
2: (laughs) Look, we spoke, didn't we, on one of the last shows and we said, this could be a very difficult week for Arsenal. And I think it was a difficult week. It was a really difficult week because of the quality of the opposition. Also because of what we had to do to win the games. It, It didn't come easy. So in that sense, it was difficult I think the other thing we said was it might have been painful, you know, as a fan to to play Liverpool and then play Manchester United. But fuck me. What a week. What a week. Mm. What a way to respond to a North London derby defeat, to beat Liverpool, to beat Manchester City, to reach an FA Cup final. Uh, a fantastic week for Mikel Arteta and for his players.
1: It, it is. I mean, yeah, a fantastic week, particularly, I think, for the coach, who I think you know anyone who wasn't paying attention to what he was doing at Arsenal previously is now going to and sit up and take notice and it it's big for the club it's a really really big thing i mean this was a massive game against man city with huge stakes and they got the result i mean i completely hold my hands up i did not see these two results coming i kind of defy anybody to have done after what happened at spurs mm. and it's just a, a combination of relief and joy, to be honest. Mm. And, and, there's a, and it also just this sense that football is absolutely mad and that the sort of way that the narrative within football can dramatically change so quickly uh, almost renders what we do talking about every game completely obsolete. But like the the, the, the speed at which the sort of redemption arc can come round mm. is incredible. And, and when you look at this City game, Think of some of the players out there, you know, Emmy Martinez is in goal, been there 10 years, not played 10 games. Bernd Leno suffers that serious injury, we think disaster's about to strike. Mm. Martinez comes in, comes good. David Luiz, first game of the restart, plays against Man City, gets himself sent off, everyone thinks the club should bin him off, gets a new contract, no one could believe it, the City game comes around. And he's absolutely outstanding. Granit Xhaka, whose entire campaign kind of follows that redemption arc of being booed off against Crystal Palace, coming, being set to leave the club to go and play for bloody Hertha Berlin in Germany. He comes back in. He looks like the most important player, arguably, in Mikel Arteta's team in the heart of his midfield. So Bios, last week in the transfer window, was going out on loan. Now he's looking like, you know, second coming of Santi Gasola. Mate niles a week ago, he was leaving. Now he's brilliant. Lacazette, we thought he was crap. And Ketia was the number one striker. He's played three times against three of the best teams in the country in a week and been brilliant. Football is fucking mad, isn't it?
2: <laughs> you didn't even mention Mustafi in that as well, you know, which is, which is exactly. another one. you know. I mean,
1: all, all over the pitch. And, like, how many of these players... Mm would we have thought would it be part of a match like this a performance like this necessarily so few It's, it's it is bonkers but I think that it also is testament to the coach and what he's managed to do?
2: Well, I think in some small part, yes. But the big part of this, as one of our listeners has pointed out, uh, Adam McWinnie uh, who's had obsequious ginge on Twitter, he says, James starts swearing heavily post Spurs loss mm. equals a Liverpool win. More swearing post Liverpool win equals a Man City win. You've just dropped an F-bomb in there in that l- lovely I've, little well, I've uh, the trend. soliloquy that you made there about some of the, the misfits and, and miscreants that we. Uh, thought we had in this squad who've come together to to put that uh, amazing win over Manchester City together. Uh, He says, have we found the substitute for an injured James and Arsenal winning? So you no longer have to uh, injure yourself, hurt yourself, damage yourself, rip tendons, do all the things that you've done in the past. You just need to, you know, swear like a fishwife.
1: OK, well, I know it's annoying for the people who like to listen to this in the car with their kids, so I will try no. and strike a delicate balance.
2: Sure, sure. Uh, we are just kidding. Look, it was a, a brilliant night for Mikel Arteta and a brilliant uh, occasion. I think, look, FA Cup semi-final is an occasion in itself, but there were so many other things at play here. You know, the, this this uh, uh, the season that we've had has just been so crazy and, and it's it's almost been so ridiculously, ludicrously crazy, surreal that Arsenal winning a trophy at the end of it feels like the only right way for it to finish. But of course, you're playing Manchester City, who are, you know, a, a team that wants to win trophies, a team that uh, loves to win trophies and has won trophies with a manager, um, you know, who's been in the job for, uh, you know, quite some time and has put together a brilliant team. It's the sort of master versus the apprentice uh, dynamic going on between himself and, and Mikel Artel and I think Arteta more than Pep had something to prove in this game You know This was one of those Where if we'd been beaten People would have said Yeah I guess that's par for the course It's you know It's early in his career It's a learning curve This this result And these results this week To me are absolute uh, Concrete evidence That in Mikel Arteta We have a, a coach With a huge amount of potential And it's not to say That he's perfect Or anything like that But re- uh, results like this Are why you As a club You recognize it's it's sort of like um uh, Bakayo Saka in a way he broke through and, and Arsenal went well fuck this is great we've got a hell of a player on our hands here we've got to give him a new deal you know he was rewarded for his performance and i think what arsenal have got to recognize here is that they obviously believed in Mikel Arteta when they when they gave him the job but but what's happened in this last week and what he's got from this from these players in terms of you know not necessarily all the football that we play because we we still got a long way to go there and I think people recognize that but the effort the endeavor the commitment the uh, you know the way that they're buying into what he wants on the pitch and producing results like that in games like uh, the the two we've had this week really are evidence that Arsenal have got a manager that they need to hold on to they need to back properly and they need to make Arsenal a place where you know not only can he do what he wants to do with this team, but he can realise the ambitions that he has as a coach and as a manager.
1: Yeah, because I don't think he's here to play around. I don't think he's someone who's looking at this in, as a crazy long-term project on like a Wenger scale. I think he's thinking about it like a modern manager who's probably thinking about a five-year window, a five-year progression. And uh, yeah, Arsenal need to do what they can to to meet his Demands And isn't that incredible for a guy in his first job mm. to be in that position so swiftly? But I think that speaks to the, the impact that he has made. And I was really, really pleased for him in this one because... It's tough, you know, he went to play City, his game plan went out the window pretty early on, he lost two of his most important players in that setup. Mm. Marie went off, Shaka went off, Luis was off, he had ten men, he kind of went up against his, his mentor, you know, and he ended up with one arm tied behind his back. This time, he was really able to give them a, a proper game and get a fantastic result and You know, that's going to build his confidence too. I mean, we talk about the players needing results to to gain belief in their ideas. A coach needs a bit of that as well. And this will give him serious conviction about what he's doing at Arsenal. And Mm. it's a massive week. Like, uh, you know, we've made that point already, but... (laughs) As much as some people might not be sure about Arsenal competing in Europe next season, I think it's something the club wants from an economic perspective. I think we can see from the way Arteta's going for these results, it's something he wants. And the wins over Liverpool and City have dramatically improved our chances of making that happening. I mean, if we'd lost those two games, yeah. that would be a lost cause at this point, probably. Yep. Um, And it's very much in play now. And that is potentially, I think, quite big for the summer as well.
2: Yeah, look, you know, you're going to the end of the season with something still to play for, which is... Which is what you want. And that works on a number of levels, obviously. You know, there are titles and there are things that you can go for that that are perhaps bigger and better than what we're actually going for. But we still have, you know, a trophy to win, uh, potentially. We still have a European place. Um, it's not in our hands uh, from the Premier League point of view, but it's still there. It's still a possibility. So, you know, that's, that's an important thing. And it's an important thing to keep players' motivations high. And I think another reason why this is a big week, and particularly the FA Cup semi-final win just leaving aside the fact that you win a big game and you go to a final I think the way Arteta set out his team the way he he approached the game uh, it worked really well for him. You know, it was a vindication of his, his uh, pre-game thinking, a vindication of his tactical approach, a vindication of his team selection, and even, to an extent, some of the things that he has been saying about players that maybe we haven't been able to quite get on board with. Uh, I'm thinking David Luiz here in particular, who, you know, probably for the first time since he joined Arsenal, had a big game in a big game, if you like, against quality opposition. He he really had a, an outstanding... Ending game, and um, you know, we'll maybe talk about him and, and some of the other individuals in a moment. But you know, just the way that, that Arteta set that team out, uh, Lewis Ambrose did a really good tactical piece for the site, uh, which you can read on arsblog.com. Uh, you know, about the way he set up, and also there was a great piece by uh, Michael Cox uh, on the athletic as well mm-hmm. about the formation. Uh, about the selection, in particular, of, of uh, you know Ainsley Maitland-Niles on that left-hand side, something which raised eyebrows beforehand, uh, yeah. but which paid dividends because you know he was part of what was a, an outstanding collective effort. There were individuals, and we will talk about some of those individuals, but as a collective effort, there wasn't a single player on that pitch that you could find fault with.
1: No there really wasn't I mean to a man they were excellent and uh, it's interesting tactically I mean you looked at the Liverpool performance and you thought well that's not something that we can attempt to replicate really we can't you know make the margins that fine or or mm. even that much in the other opposition's favour I, I think this performance sort of was what Arteta was probably trying to do against Liverpool and it didn't happen I mean I thought the shape was incredibly similar uh, the major change was Maitland-Niles coming in uh, and obviously Aubameyang coming in up top but I thought in terms of having that sort of Tierney as the kind of Hybrid fullback, centre back, and Lacazette a lot deeper with Pepe and Aubameyang split. Mm. Uh, I, I thought it was essentially the same setup, but we executed our game plan on the ball mm. much, much, much better. And part of that was incurring a degree of risk. And, you know, there were times when we were playing it out the back, a couple of notable incidents where you thought this really could. Go awry, yeah. Uh, But it it was to our benefit in the end. I mean, the the goal that we end up scoring, which I'm sure we'll get onto, is a sensational one, really, and one you know that that shows people taking the ball under pressure, committing opposition defenders, uh, being brave, basically, Mm. in a big game on a big stage, and that is really encouraging.
2: Yeah, I mean, I think uh, there's a great point that Lewis makes in his in his article uh, about the, the tactical approach mm. about how Arteta had expected City to do something else but they they uh, they did something different they kept De Bruyne a bit deeper and they pushed yeah. Granit Xhaka up on him and from about 15 minutes in something clicked didn't it from from uh, an Arsenal point of view in terms of our performance there was that moment where Lacazette put the ball in the net and it was I, I think it was quite a tight offside I could be misremembering that it was but, it was um, but you know you're right in the first few minutes there were some moments um, where we had to be defensively aware um, and we were under some pressure I mean I think about the the Mustafi incident where you know he got caught on the ball and that could have been um that could have been a disaster but what was interesting Interesting. what I thought it was interesting about that was that Mustafi made the mistake but the team defended that mistake if you like you know they made they made that mistake potentially less costly because of the commitment of their defending it's the same with the 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 Bellerin incident remember he played the, the square pass um uh, to somebody yeah. on the edge of the box and they had a De shot uh, De Bruyne had the shot from from outside the area but but what happened there was people didn't just stand looking at the mistake and go oh no they reacted to it and I think that that from the first whistle uh, was evident in the way that we played there was a, a a really good clearance from Tierney about 2 or 3 minutes in he put it out for a corner there was another one from Shaka which he hooked away from under the well it wasn't quite under the crossbar but it was it was in our 6 yard box and um, and people will say look that's not uh, maybe it's not great um to be under that kind of pressure but when you are the only thing you can do is, in much the same way that we did against Liverpool, is be uh, switched on and mm. to defend. And we were like at it right from the very first whistle.
1: That's true. And, and in, I think I have to be fair to Mustafi, it was a really loose pass to him as well that mm. sort of wasn't, yeah, yeah, yeah. To, wasn't great to either Martinez or Mustafi. So I, I think what's most pleasing is that when the mistakes came Arsenal didn't abandon the plan mm. and I think that is a little bit what happened against Liverpool you know you had that incident with Emi Martinez where he got caught and I just think there was because of the derby result in the previous game a little bit of nerves a little bit of tension and Arsenal uh, kind of lost a little bit mm. of their control in, in in what they were doing playing out from the back against City maybe because they were imbued with a bit more confidence after the Liverpool game, they really stuck to it. And even when it went wrong for Bellerin or for Mustafi, mm. or whoever it was, they kept at it. They really did have conviction in the plan and pay dividends in, in a big, big way. Yeah. And you know, how many times have we talked about Arsenal teams kind of wilting on the big stage or against big teams? And I think they showed real personality in this game. And that shows, I think... The confidence that big results can bring. I mean, this was away from the Emirates Stadium. I know it's at Wembley where we've had a good record, but I'm. I, it's I'm as pleased as I am about this. It's impossible not to project forward and hope that these this week could really mean a lot to mm. this team. You know that it might give them a bit of a platform moving forward. Yeah,
2: I'm sitting here thinking about some of the players and the way that they played uh, on mm. Saturday. Remember when you went to the cinema when you were a kid and maybe you go with your friends and you come out and you go, what was your favourite bit in that film? What was your favourite yeah. bit? It's a bit like that because it's sort of like, I think, oh, well, Maitland-Niles was great and David Louise was really good and Ceballos and Brandon Jacker was... And then Kieran Tierney, like, how much do you love Kieran Tierney mm-hmm. right now? And then mm-hmm. it's like, well, Aubameyang was this and, and Pepe, you know, was, was really good as well and, and Lacazette had an excellent game. It's just like... I don't know where to start with with the individuals, but let's talk about the goal then because you you talked about um, not abandoning the principles of playing it out from the back and we we did that really well, patient build-up. And I think my favourite part of this goal, and you've heard me talk about this before, uh, is the way that Kieran Tierney plays that pass to Lacazette. Like Mm. he fires that ball at him as hard as he can because A he needs to in order to get the ball to him between those City players so he has to hit the ball with pace but it it just it causes or gives you an option to do something with the ball when you move it more quickly you know the, the teams rolling the ball around sluggishly just makes it easy for for the opposition to defend against. Lacazette's touch and pass out to Bellerin on the right is absolutely brilliant as well because that's easily the kind of pass which could bounce off uh, maybe two or three weeks ago that pass bounces off Lacazette and goes back towards our goal and a City player picks it up and something terrible happens. Instead he controlled it played it out to Bellerin um, you know from there to Pepe and I mean I think um, we, we talk about the move and how brilliant it was, and it really was. The finish, James, is unbelievable. Unbelievable.
1: And he and he missed a much easier chance, yeah. didn't he? Not long before yeah. when Louise uh, broke through and played that through ball, and and you know I was surprised by the way he took that one. He sort of just went for power, which isn't really like him. Uh, and this finish, I mean, it's I think it's a relatively low xg chance because it's from across as well, and uh, outside of the boot, in off the far post, outstanding. I mean, you know. Aubameyang, we could talk, talk about other individuals, but he showed his quality, didn't he, on this occasion mm. by being the decisive man. And that Pepe-Aubameyang link-up, we uh, haven't seen loads of it since the restart, but before the restart, there were a couple of goals like this where uh, Pepe came in for the right-hand side and crossed it. And Aubameyang actually scored a couple of headers. One was against Newcastle. Mm. Um, West West another- Ham. Was maybe it? West Ham uh, maybe I don't not. know right. there, was, there was another home game I seem to remember mm. where there was an in swinging cross from the right and Aubameyang got something on it and Pepe has the quality to do that with his delivery the movement the finish is brilliant and what do great strikers do typically great strikers often miss chances because they get into great positions and their movement is excellent and they know how to find space but they don't let it stick with them mm. when the next one comes along they put it away and that is what Aubameyang did. And it was a fantastic goal. The playing out from the back is brilliant. On the, on the subject of Tierney's distribution from the back, you know, it does make you think <laughs> about Kalasinac having played in a very similar role uh, as a kind of left-sided mm. centre-half. And, you know, he's not close to him in that respect. And maybe that was because we valued what Tierney could bring as a wing-back and we wanted to do that. But you'd have to say, if, we, if we're sticking with this system in the short term, and he looks a far better fit for
2: that position, doesn't he? Hundred percent, a hundred percent. The difference it makes to the team when you've got somebody who is, you know, comfortable on the ball, but but also uh, has ambition on the ball. You know, mm-hmm. I'm not sure Kalasinac makes that pass into into Lacazette. I think he turns I, I around he and places it. it. No, yeah. he doesn't. He doesn't. I don't think he's. You know, he doesn't have the vision for that, and and B, maybe doesn't believe that he has the technical ability for that, which probably um, is because he he doesn't really have it. And I don't want to like jump on Kalasinac or anything like that. I think this is about um, what Tierney brings and how, how this team in this current system and in this formation, which Arteta sort of talked about before the game as he he, kind of has to play with this system because of the players that he has mm. available and the players that are out injured, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Um, you know, there are there are clearly uh, ways which we can use the ball better with Tierney in the team. And I think what's also very interesting is the idea that, you know, you could easily play Bakaya Saka in that left-sided uh, wing-back role as well. Yeah. You know, Ainsley, Maitland, Niles, I wonder if he was picked because they were playing Mares out there uh-huh. and you have a guy who likes to come inside. So you've got a right footed player who can maybe go with him, um, you know, in terms of making tackles and, and things like that. So, uh, so, yeah, that, that might've been it. Also a real show of faith in Maitland Niles from Arteta in, in, you know, in a week in which there were stories about him going and we discussed them on the podcast last week. um, it was a surprise selection, but, you know, it demonstrated some measure of of faith and belief. Uh, oh, massively. In, you know, this is an FA Cup semi-final. This is an FA Cup semi-final against Arteta's old club. And he did have Saka available to him, whether he's carrying a little knock or he's played a lot or they're, they're worried about that. I'm, I'm not quite sure it might be the case, but either way... You know, to throw Maitland-Niles in there in a game like this and then to talk about him afterwards the way that he did where he said, you know, I really believe in him. He's got all the quality. He said something along the lines of, you know, I've seen the way um, he's been training. He's had a change of mindset, you know, it feels a little bit like the the Sabios quotes doesn't it? he's been training like an animal and if you if you show Arteta that you're up for it he will give you a chance so
1: the, the door's never closed with him that's the thing and and any criticism or any judgment is is a challenge and and I look I think there's every chance Maitland-Niles still leaves in the summer you know he's taken certain steps in terms of changing his representation things like that which suggest that's absolute absolutely what he has been minded to do. And if you look at some of the stories that have come out, you know, those come out don't come out by accident generally. Mm. In yeah, football. yeah, yeah. Um but I agree with you, this was a huge show of faith. And there's a great moment. I'm sure everyone saw, you know, David Louise having a talk with Maitland Niles after yeah. the game. But, but after that, and I'd love to know what Luis was saying, and I've watched it many times, and as a non-professional lip reader, I have no idea. But there's a great moment afterwards where Arteta comes over to him mm. and he just gets him in a big embrace. And he, what he says is, thank you. And then, he says, and then he says, so much. And I think that speaks to his faith, being rewarded. He asked Ainsley Maitland Niles, whose future is uncertain, to do a really mm. specific job for him in a really big game. And he absolutely nailed that job. A, a bit like when he came on against Wolves, frankly. Yeah. When he was excellent as well. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I think, you know, Maitland Niles has the makings of a tremendous wing back. I really, really do. Uh, I think he's got all the attributes, all the tools. Um, you know, it, it seems crazy to me that he would want to play anywhere else. But, mm. you know, what can you do? Yeah, And maybe maybe this is the start of a turning point. Maybe, you know, he's mm. Arteta likes him now and he plays more games and he thinks, OK, I'll stick this out next season and see how I go. Maybe. But I kind of think irrespective, huge credit to him for playing in that way. You know, think of like players who are leaving the way their performances can drop off sometimes. Uh, It was a very particular circumstance, but Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain playing at wing back against Anfield, or, you know, sometimes Mm. players just completely fade away or are not even available for selection because they're seen as on their way towards the exit door. Look at Matteo Guendouzi right now, Mm. and then look at what Mateo nars is doing. And, maybe there have been question marks over his attitude i know there were problems with you know him being late a few times things like that but in terms of his commitment and his application at this stage You cannot question it.
2: Mm. We had a question, actually, uh, from uh, Masood Jaffer, who's at Gunnar Jaffer, who says, what do you make of the way that Arteta embraced Maitland-Niles at full time? Mm. It came across to me like, uh, uh, I know you're leaving, but thanks for that performance and giving your all, despite the circumstances, kind of hug. Which, you know, it it could be, but it could also be, as you say, a a turning point.
1: Uh, Yeah, I mean, I'm inclined to agree with the question, just in terms Mm. of sort of, you know, what we know about Maitland-Niles' situation and as excited as I am by his improvement and uh, you know his performances you have to think about it from his perspective if he is looking to move this is really helping him and this is improving his chances it's getting suitors interested you know clubs will be looking at what he did against Man City and thinking I want this guy to start for my team every single week so Mm. it's a tricky one but Clearly, Arteta was very grateful for that performance. And I agree with you, actually. You know, Saka sort of played there against Liverpool, but he took a couple of knocks in that game. And I think that probably was a factor in his exclusion. Mm. Also, Maitland-Niles' right-footedness against Mares, But Saka is a, an intriguing option, potentially, for mm. that role as well.
2: I, I think that, you know, if you're being completely cynical about this as well, and you're thinking, you know, if Maitland-Niles does leave, performances like that are great for a selling club as well. <laughs> you know? And maybe that's the reality of the situation that we're going to have to face this summer is that, you know, some players who we like or perhaps have some hope in um, might might go. But, you know, if they can be part of a rebuild in their own way uh, by providing some finances, maybe that's what we have to that's what we have to do. Um, Mm. The second half, James, was a lot more difficult. Um, mm. and this is where I think, uh, we could maybe just talk a, a little bit about David Luiz before we talk about the, um, the second goal. Yeah. Um, there was a moment where I think we, had, you know, like the Liverpool game and like any game when you're playing a team that good and when you're defending, um, for the majority of the game, which I think we were, you know, um, we were winning tackles. There was a lot of defensive shape and organization, and and all of that, which is extremely commendable. But there are going to be moments where you're almost exposed, or where you know the opposition, given their quality, can create chances. And I'm thinking of the Sterling chance quite early in that second half. I can't remember exactly when it was, but
1: yes, he, with the left foot, yeah, exactly. he, put he put it back, put it yeah. just
2: wide, and I don't know that Emmy Martinez was was getting to that, but um. There was another moment where Mustafi got turned and they had a shot. Again, could have been Sterling, I can't remember, but Louise threw himself in oh. front of uh, the brilliant ball block. to make a brilliant block. And on top of everything else that he did uh, in the game, I think that was the moment where I kind of thought, yeah, okay, this guy this guy is really having the best game I've ever seen him have for, for Arsenal. And, you know... If, People have been listening long enough. They'll know I'm not necessarily his his biggest fan, but you've got to give credit where it's due. Um, it was a truly outstanding central defensive performance because I think what he did as well was he kept things organized at the back. Um, you know, with Tierney one side, Mustafi the other side, you know, um, we have Ainsley maitland Lanaz as we talked about, who's a youngish player, you know, playing more or less out of position, you know. I think there's a lack of leadership at times in this Arsenal team and and maybe we don't have those hugely vocal players, those commanding leaders that we we, uh, have had in the past, but um, that was a performance, you know, sometimes people say, isn't it, they, you know, they lead by example. That was a kind of lead by example performance from Luis.
1: It was, yeah. And uh, to be honest, I think... You know, there have been some big games where he's blown up this season, but mm. there have also been big games where he's performed. This was one, the home game against Manu. I think he was voted man of the match that day and was outstanding too. This was an atypical Louise performance in yeah. some respects because it was penalty box defending, it was uh, organisation. It was, you know, putting himself in the way of stuff, really, like kind of, you know, backs to the wall, really, which is not how he's accustomed to playing, not where you think of him at his best. Um, and it was a complete performance too, because with the exception of a, that stray pass in the first half, his distribution was excellent. Um, I mean, look, when he's good, he's very, 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 very good, mm. and you don't, you simply don't have the career he's had or win the things he's won without that. Um, At some point in the future, we'll see the other face of David Luiz. Mm -hmm. And that is is something that you accept. I mean, it's interesting, isn't it? That Arsenal, the major leader figures in this squad are David Luiz and Granit Xhaka, you would probably say. Mm. And in some ways, they have certain similarities, you know, that they are players who can be... Outstanding, and I think in some ways, Louise even more so than Shakira, is very, very best. Um, but there is this other side to them, and I think that's probably a reflection of where we are—that we don't have guys who are perfect, but eight times out of ten, they are pretty good. Mm. And this was this was really pretty good from Louise. And I, I just, you know, it, it's tricky, isn't it, to analyse him because you have to accept that at some point it probably will go wrong for him
2: yeah look it has a number of times already this season and that's why there is frustration Um, you know and I'm not sort of saying this is the guy that we should build our defence around for the next number of years clearly not I just feel like on a day where or on a podcast that we're discussing, you know, a game in which he's played really, really well, I think it's just worth pointing that out because if we're gonna criticize him for um for some of the mistakes that he's made, then I think it's just worth pointing out, you know, the the, the converse. Yeah. Um what he does well
1: and i and i thought you know he was great and clearly you know all this stuff about his talking the squad it's not bollocks is it i mean clearly a lot of these young players i think do respect him enormously and he does seem to play a pretty significant role on that side of things but but arsenal's defending within the width of the penalty box was really really good It was the best I've seen from Louise, I think, ever. I think Tierney really showed what he was made of. And, you know, for a guy who's played most of his career as a full-back, looked very at home within the width of the 18-yard box. And Mustafi, you know, he he, he had his moments. I mean, how did you feel about that VAR appeal? Did you have your heart in your mouth a little bit?
2: A little bit, yeah. A little bit. Um, Simply because you just never know with VAR, do you? You've no idea quite what they're seeing or if they're seeing things the way we're seeing it or what their interpretation of it might be it did feel a little bit like oh you know um,
1: I felt it could go either way for sure yeah Um, so he had a couple of -of heart-in-mouth moments but other than that you know was pretty solid and it's just so satisfying isn't it to see an Arsenal team defend properly
2: yes I mean it is proper defending and defending you know, from the front if you like, to from use that front. old to use that old cliche, but it's I true. Mean,
1: yeah, and I, I just as we were talking, I was like, well, you know, if we're gonna talk about the defence, we have to talk about the job Chakra and Sabayos did in front of them. And if we're gonna talk about them, yeah. we have to talk about the work Alex Lacazette did. You know, effectively man marking City's deepest midfielder at times mm. pretty selflessly and chasing around, being right on his heels I thought that was an integral part of this performance kind of as much as anything else.
2: Yeah, no, completely agree. Completely agree. And it's again it's an old cliche, isn't it? You know, defending is not simply the the job of the defense. It's it's part of what uh, any good team has got to do and defensive organisation, you know, obviously um we, we've seen Arsenal back fours or back threes or whatever pulled from pillar to post and, and pulled out of position here, there and everywhere. You know, there weren't those. I think it, it reminded me of something we were talking about very early in the first few games of Mikel Arteta's uh, um, time as manager, where we we noted that the spaces were no longer there. You know, Mm. these big gaps in which opposition players can run into these big um, swathes of empty grass because we are ball-chasing or we're not not organised. It was like that, because every player did their bit. Every single player on that pitch um, did their bit defensively. Uh, Aubameyang, um, you know, back in the left-back position at times. Pepe, I think, had a a good game, um, and I think that will have pleased Mikel Arteta, what he got from Nicolas Pepe. Obviously, an assist, and we'll talk about the second goal now in a second, but there were... Uh, there were moments when I think Pepe's work uh, in tandem with Bellerin down that right-hand side, from a you know defensive point of view, ball-carrying point of view, easing some of the pressure that we were under, um, was was fantastic.
1: Yeah, and I think um, you know it, it's oh, I've completely forgot what I was going to say. I thought we were, were talking about Pepe once.
2: and Bellerin and Lacazette and Aubameyang and defending and organization. Mm. Ringing no any bells? Ringing any bells? Well,
1: no, uh, <laughs> I, I got, I got um, distracted because when you mentioned Bellerin breaking forward, I, I sort of thought, uh, you know, I needed to talk about how the wingbacks did that very, very well. You know, especially I thought Maitland-Niles on the other side. I know we've sort of stopped talking about him, but he got forward brilliantly. If You felt for him that he was a right footer really because he kept getting to good crossing positions and not quite having mm. delivery. Um, what I was going to say has come back to me now is that Sometimes when we talk about this and players doing their jobs and players being in the right place and defending properly, it sounds like, wow, you know, Arteta's asking a lot more of these guys. And I think it's true he's asking more of them in terms of their application, their commitment. But in some ways, I do just feel like he simplifies roles. You know, he gives players direct, simple instructions to follow. He gives them zones. He gives them men. He gives them things that they seem to understand better. Uh, and I think that's what lends this team a sense of structure. You know, I always think of George Graham, you know, tying his back four together with rope and getting mm. them to practice. And sometimes it feels like with Arteta's team, there is kind of elastic between everyone on the pitch, you know, and they kind of it compress and expand accordingly. It's that accordion effect. Um, and it's a sign of a good coach. It's a sign of a guy who's got a clear plan that players can believe in. And, uh yeah, I mean look, the second goal is again a really exemplary execution of a piece of counter-attacking play that again is is down to the fact that I think we've got someone more able, more competent passing out of the left centre-back.
2: When the move began for that second goal, I thought, "Uh-oh. <laughs> Uh-oh. What has Pepe done here?" Yeah. Like I thought it was a bad header when I saw it first. I was going, "Has he headed it back?" towards his own box you know because you just normally expect the player to to loaf it away um but he played it into the path of Tierney, and i really like this goal and i really like the work that pepe did on it um you know people are talking about Tierney's ball for Obamiang, which was fantastic you know clip it down the line and give him all that grass to run into he loves that it's what he thrives on and uh you know we made the point, didn't we, that in the, the first City game, there were a couple of moments where we could have played Aubameyang into that kind of space, and, and Tierney had one of those opportunities. I mm. felt it was a little bit harsh to be critical of him um, for that in the circumstances that it was basically his first game of football in six months or seven months. So, you know, players aren't really that sharp. It's slightly different scenario this time. The ball was more obvious you know, just clip it over the top and let Aubameyang run onto it. Uh, I I love Tierney playing it down, going, it was all about Aubameyang, you know, it was all about him and um, Aubameyang going, come on, dude. But but what I think was really pleasing about this goal was Pepe making that header and then uh, setting off on a run in which he could receive the ball back from Tierney, being strong. Being sensible with his pass as well, back, uh, you know, keeping hold of it, which allowed Tierney to play it over the top to Aubameyang, and from there, that was just clinical from him, wasn't it?
1: Yeah, and in fact, there's a great video on the touchline of when Aubameyang gets released. Arteta sort of starts shouting. I think he goes like "Laka" as if to like you know get in the box. Mm. We need to try and cross this. But once Aubameyang's clear. Uh Arteta realises within a few seconds that just nobody's catching him. Yeah. No one's getting near him. He's headed straight for the goal. Mm. And what a brilliant finish through the legs of, you know, one of the best goalkeepers in the league. Made him look very, very silly. And just absolutely class. I mean, you know, shades of Henri wasn't there about it in terms of the run inside from the left channel. Mm. A, a, a classic Aubameyang finish. And one we haven't seen loads off this season. I mean, that's the interesting thing. His goals they've come from a variety of positions, but mm. in terms of sort of getting him in behind early, yeah. I don't think that's happened with any sort of regularity. Um, so it was it was good to see it. Really good pass from Tierney. I agree on Pepe. I thought he did excellent hold-up work on that goal. Good link play. And yeah, the finish is just far too cool for anyone's good, to be honest. It, I mean, he's a killer.
2: He doesn't even look at Ederson mm. when he's finishing it. He sort of had a look beforehand and then he he has a look the other side, sort of gives him the eyes. And I don't know if he's looking for Lacazette to see where Lacazette is. I don't think Aubameyang is ever going to do anything but shoot. When he's in that mm. position and, and given that kind of service, he is not going to do anything but, but try and score. But he doesn't even look at Edison when he puts it through his legs. If you look at the video from behind the goal, he's not looking at him.
1: It's That's unreal. It's <laughs> fucking... Is that real? He's not even looking? Yeah,
2: I'll watch it again here now. Um, I'm sure I have it here on my... I need to see this. My download. If so. um, Where is it? Second half.
1: So he has a look at Lacazette. He sees what his options are. Yeah, you're right, you know. It's, he, it's like he, it's his peripheral. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. He, he's got his eye on the ball at the moment that he strikes it.
2: I'm just um, getting the goal up here again.
1: I mean, it's just world-class in the forward play, the movement, the carrying the ball.
2: Mm. Oh, do you know what I just noticed as well? Right after the goal, Pep Guardiola, do you remember um, Raquel against Lehman? He did Mm -hmm. this really white spit before he took the penalty. Yeah. Pep does the exact same spit right after the goal. We should have it's known suspicious. should have known it was it was our day then but I'm watching watching it here again from behind the goal yeah here he goes has a look at Edison has a look across looks at the ball and boom oh that is just unbelievable brilliant absolutely Fantastic
1: brilliant. goal and 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 actually I'll tell you this now I, so I wasn't working for this game I was just watching mm. it purely as a fan which was an absolute pleasure and I I thoroughly enjoyed it as a consequence um once we got that goal, I wasn't remotely worried. And I know, look, time was on our side, but I absolutely believe that mm. this Arsenal team playing the way they were in that game would be fine. And it's so rare that I'm able to say that <laughs> as an Arsenal fan.
2: I got a text off my brother after the, the goal and he was going, Are you enjoying this? And I said, ask me in about 20 minutes if I'm enjoying it or not. Um, <laughs> Which is but, fair. A, yeah.
1: Fair, a, fair, a fair quibble. Yeah, look, but, because, I mean,
2: you know, City did have pressure and I think... In the joy of the win, which we which we've all um, enjoyed thoroughly, we have to remember that there was a lot of pressure in the in the last fifteen minutes plus seven minutes of injury time. Uh, was it Laporte who shot just wide? Um, mm. and Martinez was not getting to that one. If, um, if that had been on target, I mean, it was one of those where you can see the shadow of the ball go past the post, like one of those amazing photographs where a satellite goes across the sun, you know, that kind of way. Um, yeah. it was, it was really, really close. And the pressure from City was absolutely relentless. So, you know, while you're saying, um, you, you were enjoying it and you didn't think we might lose. I'm not saying I thought we were going to throw it away, but I was terrified of a goal um, putting the shits up us and and uh, you know making the the last part of the game more uh, more nerve wracking than it than it mm-hmm. was. But I suppose there's no point talking about something that didn't happen.
1: No, <laughs> I mean, when, when was Emi Martinez's save? Was that before Aubameyang's goal or after, from Mares? Oh, from it was
2: really early in the second half. Was it? Yeah. Right, yeah, yeah. Great save. Was, I mean,
1: that was a big moment too, I thought. Yeah. Uh, not just in terms of the save, but also the fact that he didn't sort of spill it, which mm. is my big thing with Martinez. He holds almost everything. Um, yeah, so, I mean, that was a, a worrying moment early in the second half. But yeah, once we got that Aubameyang goal, I was like, here we go. Mm. I mean... Uh, yeah, I mean, look, it
2: was, it was... I
1: don't know what to say about it. It was just fantastic.
2: Yeah, amazing. Um, what did you make of the substitution, the Joe Willock for Pepe substitution? Pepe didn't look that happy, which I understand because he was playing well, but I think what Willock did was was give us an extra body, but, but sort of a bit more defensive nuisance value, if you like. Um, you know, he won a couple of good free kicks and... Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah,
1: I, I, I don't, I don't want to do Joe Willock down because I think he's got real ability. I honestly do, but his role in this Arsenal team at the moment seems mm. to be sort of twofold. It's kind of defensive legs, I think.
2: Get on and a, run.
1: Yeah, I mean, I mean, without wishing to be reductive, it feels a bit like that. Yeah. So it's a, if we're chasing a game, it's kind of a chaos element, and if we're defending a game, it's run, mm. run your legs off. And in fairness to him, you know, he he will do that. Uh, and, and listen, I, I wasn't surprised by it. I thought um, Pepe had been really good, but, you know, we don't know what his condition was like at that stage of the game. Yeah. And Willock was fresh. Uh, I mean, it is kind of amazing we got through the second half. I don't think we made all the changes, did we? I think we still no, had one. No, we still
2: boat. had one, yeah. Yeah. Well, um, one substitute left. I'm not sure we had one...
1: Ah, uh, intervention.
2: Intervention as left, Yeah.
1: Yeah, which was a slight surprise, I suppose. Mm. But um, the later changes, you know, we saw Torreira for Lacazette, didn't we? Mm-hmm. Uh, Kalasnatch and was Holding, wasn't it? Yes. On
2: yeah, Mustafi. What did you make of that, that incident with, with Sterling and, and Mustafi? Did you think anything of it? Do you think there was a, a deliberate foul in there? I mean, I don't uh. know quite what happened, whether he did his, did his hamstring as he was racing to clear the ball or whatever it might have been.
1: Yeah, I didn't really think there was a great deal in it. Well, what about you?
2: I don't know exactly. I'd have to watch it again. And I don't know if it's really... Like, he's grimacing as he clears the ball. And then Sterling definitely steps on him. Mm. Um, but whether it's delivered or not, it's one of those you can never really tell. I'm just watching the replay here. He pushes him, and then he stands on his ankle, and then he kind of lands on his thigh with his knee. Right. I don't know. I don't know. Oh, oh, yeah. I don't know. I don't think, um, without wanting to break out the old cliches, I don't think really Sterling is is that kind of player, you know? Um,
1: no, they wouldn't suggest as much, to be honest. No. I, I think it's just one of those things, really. Yeah, but, um, yeah I mean, look, it was... Uh, I know it was probably tense for some fans, but I just found myself absolutely reveling in it it's not every day you beat a team like manchester city
2: floating it's... on a cloud of reassurance and confidence james sitting there sipping your whatever you were drinking <laughs> pina colada your cider your i don't know your uh, whatever cocktail all of them having. together all mixed them.
1: in a, a big bucket Lovely. and uh, yeah i i absolutely love this i mean it just it's a fantastic, fantastic day mm. for Arsenal and Arteta, and I feel sorry for any player we've not spoken about at length because it was one of those occasions, a bit like when you win a cup final, where every single player deserves commendation, deserves mm. praise. They were fantastic to a man, and uh, I feel very, very, very proud of them. Yeah, proud of proud of Arsenal, which has mm. not been the case. This season,
2: very often. No, that's true. And look, the celebrations at the final whistle, of, of course, are brilliant. When you get to um, when you get to a final, it is a thing to celebrate. I do. I just feel like something happened in that game in terms of the squad, the players, the manager, the fans. Uh, like there's been some sort of weird psychic. Connection, a mind meld, a kind of, I don't know how to explain it. It's like we can see what happens if you work together. I think the players, the quality of the squad, as Mikel Arteta keeps saying, has to be improved. And the week that we've had yeah. shouldn't um, take away from that. We might have a question about that in part two. But what you can um, control is is how you play. And the effort you put in, and the endeavor you put in, and the organisation, and the way that you, the way that you execute the manager's instructions and tactical approach, um, I think we took a little bit of a step forward as a club under Arteta. You know, we've had some wins, we've had some good results, we've had some some decent performances. But I feel like in football there are moments in which something clicks for you, and you you kind of go up a gear. And this was one of those moments.
1: Mm. I I hope so. I really, really do hope so. Because I I felt that too. I did also feel that. And, you know, we've had full storms at Arsenal before, but this is something that all those players... Mm. It's a massive learning experience, I think, to go into a week like they have and come out with the results. You know, you learn things in defeat. But you can learn things in victory as well. And you can learn, you know, if you apply yourself, if you follow instruction, if you absolutely dedicate yourself, what is possible. And Mm. that feeling of winning is so addictive. And that's what drives dynasties. That's what drives great teams, that buzz and trying to get back there. And Mm. good news is, Arsenal have got another opportunity to feel that good very soon at Wembley Stadium again. Mm. Uh, And they carry that with them into the final. And for that reason, I'm... I'm really optimistic, to be mm. honest. Okay, well, look. Dangerously
2: optimistic. <laughs> the final is something that we'll talk about uh, in an expletive-laden podcast, uh, a bit closer yeah. to the time in which James actually invents some new swear words in order to <laughs> in order to ensure our victory in that one. But is there anything else you want to talk about, uh, you know, um, about the game itself before we go into part two and we've got some questions?
1: No, I, I, do, do you know what? There's some good questions this week, and yeah. obviously lots of people want to ask different stuff. So I think let's get into it.
2: Let's do that. Okay. We will take a break and we'll be back with your questions and more in part two, right after this.
0: Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side?
2: Welcome back to the Arscast Extra. This is part two of the show where we answer questions that you send to us on Twitter at Gullerblog and at Arsblog. Also on the Arsblog Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash the Arsblog and on the Arsblog Discord chat server, which you get access to if you are an Arsblog member on Patreon. You can do that by going to patreon.com forward slash Arsblog. James, uh, you want to start?
1: I do, yeah. I just saw this question and it was quite relevant to what we were talking about. Uh, Lewis on Twitter said, once the niceties of this podcast are done, around the 70-minute mark, will you cut James's connection and replace him with Joe Willock so he can do some running around, editing sound checks and other thankless <laughs> tasks to nicely wrap up the pod? Uh,
2: Very good. That would be good. That would be good. We're winning, though, so, you know, Joe's, Joe's work will be fairly easy in this one. Very true. Very, Very true. true. Okay, let's uh let's get into a few anyway. Um this one is from the Discord. There's a couple on the Discord actually. Um one from Teta twenty twenty who says, How much of the two wins influence your thinking about which players should be jettisoned and how much we need to strengthen? And then Ron Snooder on the Discord says Maybe it's my current pessimism, but do you have any concerns that the wins against Liverpool and Man City will have an adverse effect on how Raul and Stan see the necessity of backing Arteta with funds? Any chance they think, well, you can beat those two with the squad you have now and use that as an excuse not to give him the money he needs?
1: (sighs) Maybe a bit of a concern. I mean, what I would say is, as excellent as those results are, they're obtained in a way that Arsenal cannot really play in 85% of games they play in any given season. You know, if you look at the Europa League group stages, if you look at Arsenal against smaller Premier League teams, that kind of, you know, deep block defence and counter-attacking, I don't think is going to work for Arsenal to get back into the Champions League. I Mm. always think of Arsene Wenger qualifying for the top four by basically losing to the big teams and beating the rest. And I think actually for the next stage in Arsenal's development, as much as it's fantastic to beat the big teams, it's kind of more important Mm. they develop a way to beat everyone else, you know, to to improve our table position. And so as encouraging as these results are, and as much as I think they might do for the team psychologically and to an extent tactically, I think there is there is, there is almost another way to play that they need to find convincingly. Um, and I also think that Mikel Arteta is not inclined to be sort of uh, won over even by results of this magnitude. I think that his opinions about certain players may not change dramatically. And he, he, you know I think you'll think, wow, that guy... He did brilliantly or he responded to the instruction or mm. we managed to coax a certain performance out of him. But I still think there will be a bit of a ruthlessness when it comes to the transfer window. And I, to be honest, I think that's absolutely right.
2: Yeah. What I, do you think? I don't disagree with that. You know, we can all be as pleased and delighted as, as uh, we like and should be by what we've seen in the last week. But, you know, the issues aren't simply gone away because we've won two games against big opposition, you know? We're all realistic nah. enough to to know that that's not really how it works. I, I don't share the fear that the questioner had. Um, if anything, I think this strengthens Arteta's case. That's a you good know, point. It, it, it shows that um, the powers that be that, look, this is what I can do With these players, if you give me better players, what else could I achieve? You know, and I think your point about making uh, or finding another way to play is a really, really good one. Um, And it leads me to another couple of questions. If you don't mind, I'll go next. Mm Um, one from David McKinnon, who's at David McKinnon one uh, on Twitter, and he says, our formation in the last two games has been perfect considering the opponents, but there's undoubtedly a lack of creativity within that structure when playing against teams less attack-minded. With that in mind, how would you set up against Villa and Watford? And Bill Brown, who's at Bill underscore Bob 97, or, or Bill Frown, rather, uh, on Twitter says, a brilliant week, ignoring the thing that didn't happen, of course um, he said but how do you rate our chances against Villa and Watford we can't defend deep against these teams and we need to play more open
1: yeah I mean that that is a really good question and Arteta you know he had to be pragmatic to an extent in these games given the golfing quality between the two teams and I think that as much as he'll be enormously satisfied by that he does want to close that gap and he needs to he needs to get the team playing better football in order to do that and there's a more attacking football. Um, in terms of how you do it, I mean, we talked in the past, didn't we, about removing uh, a centre-back and putting another creative player into the team. Mm. I still think that is the long-term tra- trajectory of this team. Um, I think when you look at someone like Kieran Tierney, for the first time in a while, I think you've got a... F- Fullback back there who looks like someone who could really be outstanding in a four uh, as a left back. Mm. And I, I, you know, I, I think the issue remains, have we got the centre backs to pay, to play with a back four? Um, but I do think that's kind of a necessary step in terms of the evolution of this team. If we're going to dominate and create more, uh, you know, moving forward, mm. what do you reckon?
2: Yes, I, I tend to agree. I, I do think that his ideal, um, system will be with a with a back four he was talking there was a press conference before the game and he was asked if he was disappointed if he hadn't been able to get Arsenal to play like Man City yet and his (laughs) his response to that question was quite good um you know because look how could anybody expect that in such a short space of time but he said you know uh we're uh, three months of lockdown and all the injuries and all the suspensions and players we don't have available and you're asking me if I'm disappointed that we can't play like Man City he said my job is to win football matches and get results True. and I think this is what this system is um, it, it's a way for him to try and and do that I don't think it's his uh, ideal system by any means um, so you know what we do in the transfer market and how we build a squad going forward will of course be will be very interesting. I mean, just just on the, the Villa game tomorrow night, um, another thing Arteta said after the City game was that we have players who've been sick and they've mm. been playing and players who've had injections. Mm. And they've been playing and they've been putting themselves through what has been a really rigorous um, month. You know, it's only been a month, basically, since football started again and we've played 10 games, you know? So th- there's a physical toll uh, that comes from that so how do you view the team for tomorrow night how much do you think he is going to rotate because I think I suspect we could see a team that is hugely different from the one that we saw against um, City at the weekend it's only like Saturday night to Tuesday with, yeah. yeah, with the effort that they've put in,
1: I'm expecting. I'm expecting five or six changes personally. Um, do you think it could be more than that?
2: Mm, it would be hard, but you know, I could see, for example, Cedric come in at. Uh, you could change the
1: wing backs, right? You could change. You could bring in Saka and Cedric, for example. Mm. Kolasinac
2: yeah I mean can Luis do another game you know are you are you perhaps inviting a Louise game if you play him you know given his age so soon again I mean there's Sokratis there there's Holding there Kolasinac is there not you know my favourite player but fresh legs etc cetera, etc cetera. Mm-hmm. if you're going to play with a with a back three at home you could easily play a back four I suppose bring Lucas Torreira in start Joe Willock um, Eddie Nketiah is going to be back Very um, fresh Reese Nelson I mean- is there Saka is there I feel like we're going to see some fresh legs in that team
1: Yeah, I think I think there were f- When we played Liverpool I think he made about five changes I think it'll be around that I think Nketiah will come in I think Saka will come in I think mm. you're right, Cedric, Cedric will come in Um. I think maybe Holding will come in. I mean, Louise. One thing I will say about him is that he doesn't appear to be a particularly and Touchwood, as I say, a particularly injury-prone player. He kind mm. of has that sort of granite shacker-like stoicism where he manages to sort of play a lot of minutes, um, even at his age. Um, but yeah, I, I think there will be changes. I mean, what do you think that? How big, how big a priority is is Villa? Like, do you think Arteta will still be absolutely gunning for qualification via the Premier League too?
2: Um, let me just have a look here and see what the Premier League table is like. I mean, we're
1: currently 10th. Tent- I mean, we keep talking about finances. I think it's worth a couple of million quid to yeah. finish a few, a few places higher for a start.
2: So we're in 10th tenth... Wolves. Okay. That was an annoying... Oh, Tottenham, don't play in midweek. I watched that Tottenham game yesterday. That was annoying. Yeah, Leicester went very What good. was Wes Morgan doing? Big, brave Wes Morgan, making himself as small as possible to let Harry Kane score. Anyway, so we finished seventh. So we're three points. Uh, you know, Wolves have got who? Who are Wolves playing?
1: Uh, who've always got left. Let's have a look. They have got uh, Crystal Palace today, Mm. and then they go go to Chelsea on the
2: last day. Oh, I hope everyone in that game injures themselves.
1: (laughs) (laughs) So let's say they get three more points, maybe.
2: Um, So that would take them to 59. And that would be the maximum that we could get. Absolutely. So I wonder if...
1: I mean, we're playing two super motivated teams. Let's make that clear. Yeah, sure. Watford, Villa are 17th and 18th.
2: I just wonder if what Wolves do might inform what Arteta does. Like, if Wolves Maybe.
1: drop points tonight, If
2: Wolves drop points tonight, then I think he might be more inclined to go for it. If they win and they're on 59 points, and we've got to win our look, I I don't think Arteta's mindset is anything other than win the games. Win the games.
1: I agree. And I I think that is right, to be mm. honest. But he will do that by rotating and keeping players fresh. Mm. I think Palace will lose tonight. I mean, Palace have been on a dreadful run since the restart there because they sort of came into it safe and, you know, they're on the beach, as they say. Mm. But um, we shall see. I mean, I think Arsenal... We'll get on to the final, won't we? But I think Arsenal Mm. won't want to leave it to the final. If there's a way they can do it via the league, they will do their utmost to do it.
2: Yeah. Yep. Okay. I think Uh... it's your question.
1: Yeah, what about this? I was interested in this. A couple of questions from the Discord. Um, Underrated1UP says, aren't we getting too excited when we're at the moment playing with no crowd? Do you think we would have had the same results had the crowd been there? Or has it actually been a good thing and helped get the shit your pants aspect out of our game? And then Chief Inyo said, did the first goal only happen because it was behind closed doors. It seems like our fans are incapable of allowing the team to play out from the back without shouting at them to get rid of it and therefore causing panic.
0: Um,
2: I think the lack of crowd is helping, but not because the crowd have a negative influence on that kind of thing. I think their instructions are very clear, aren't they, from Mikel Arteta? And Hmm. even if the crowd get a little bit antsy about certain things, um, they're going to keep playing that way or you know if you're the defender that doesn't play that way you're you're out of the team because that's what he wants from his players he mm. wants them to do what he wants he doesn't want them to do what some people in the crowd are worried about because that's right. no way to uh, approach um a, a game of football um
1: in what way do you think it's helping
2: them i think there are two really interesting aspects to no crowd at the moment from an Arsenal point of view. One, mm. and we've spoken about it before, is that Mikel Arteta is able to coach every single player on the pitch from the sideline. He is audibly coachful. Every yeah. single player. In whatever language he uses, whether it's French, whether it's Spanish, whether it's English, You know, he is barking instructions all the time and the players can hear him, which they can't. Uh, uh, yeah,
1: and the players know... That uh, Sorry, he knows the players can hear. Yes. Can you see what I mean?
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's an important part They're, they're well.
1: more accountable. Do you mm. know what I mean? They have, if it, they have no choice but to follow. There's no excuse of, oh, yeah. sorry, boss. Couldn't hear you.
2: Yeah. The other one is not necessarily because the crowd isn't there, but because of what's going on with the drinks breaks. I yeah. think that is another important part of... Very beneficial of, to yeah.
1: Arsenal in this game, midway through the second half. Yeah. I thought that really helped alleviate a bit of pressure. Yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. You know, it's a kind of a... It's almost like a timeout. It's a chance for a manager to to reinforce some of the instructions that he makes. Um, so I think, you know, I don't really worry too much about, um, you know, fans being worried about playing it out from the back. I mean, look, here, here, here's your options when you're playing a team that's got a high press, uh, you either try and play it out from the back or you kick it as far away from your own goal as you can and you hope you've got a big center forward who can hold it up and bring people into play or you get a bit of luck. But essentially what you're doing in that second scenario is you're giving away possession. You're kicking the ball away with no idea whether you're going to be able to retain it or not.
1: And we don't have that centre-forward.
2: We don't have that centre-forward. We sold him to the
1: other FA Cup finalists.
2: (laughs) Yeah, so, you know, there is no other way to play with the players that we have. So, look, I'm not going to lie and say I didn't have a couple of heart-in-mouth moments. And I even thought, um, in the build-up to the goal, when we played that ball into Shaka, it was one of those scenarios where I thought, this could be a heavy touch or, you know... Um, it's one of those moments where we've seen players lose the ball in the past. But, you know, it, it was calm, collected, precise football at the back, and then we brought it forward, we switched it up a gear, and we scored a fucking brilliant goal. And that is mm. that is the, the potential trade-off of playing that way. So if you, want, if you want to be calmer or happier, and you want Mustafi or Bellerin or Tierney or... Whoever it is just to clump the ball up the line and hope we can flick on a header or you know win some territory, that's rugby. Mm. you know there is no other way to do it against a team like City. It's not easy it a, and, and it's it's it is a bit scary, but i I just I would prefer to see Arsenal do that and grow more comfortable with it than just panic.
1: Absolutely. I mean, it was a beautiful goal. We almost hit the heights of early Emery ball. <laughs> but um, it, 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 no, honestly, I, I think you're absolutely right. That is the right thing to do in those circumstances. I do wonder if, the, if some of our players psychologically don't fare well with an edgy crowd. And so there's something that kind of becomes a vicious circle about that at times Mm. with Arsenal where you know they make a mistake the crowd gets antsy they feel that it makes them more agitated something else bad happens and I don't think that's exclusive to Arsenal but I think just given our trauma as a football club Mm. given some of the experiences we've had maybe we're more prone to it and we have players that are prone to it
2: yeah but that brings us right back to the talk of strengthening the squad and some of the Mm. players who've done very well and we've given them credit for it you know with a track record or a history of not necessarily being uh, the most mentally strong if you like you know Mm. so that's that just brings that full circle for me
1: and, and I do think that this kind of project restart is a coach's medium, isn't it? I mean they get this these extra team talks essentially in the drinks breaks mm. they they can make themselves understood to the players. I suspect that in a kind of crowdless atmosphere, it's maybe easier to keep your head and adhere to a tactical plan mm. um It really is a fantastic arena for a coach. And I think Arteta is excelling in that respect. And actually, maybe when crowds come back to football, you know, I know they're talking about bringing it, potentially Mm. starting that process in October, um, Arsenal might need players who are slightly more self-sufficient. Sure. You know, who can be relied upon to deliver without that constant instruction.
2: Um, Well, yes. Yeah. I mean, that is... It's sort of like, I don't know. He um, can't hold the hat yeah, exactly, forever. Exactly, You know you can't take
1: the stabilizers off and a, see how they Exactly
2: go. what I was going to say about the stabilizers. Just a quick one here for me before I let you do the next one. Uh, Vanig Bostanian, who's at 14Vanig23 on Twitter, says, are we playing modern football now? Building from the back, pressing in a coherent manor, uh, manner, scoring goals from transitions. And I say this... Because Louise, after the game, said something along the lines of, the team understands how to play modern football.
1: Mm, That's an interesting quote. I hadn't seen that. Um, It feels that way. And I think Arteta's really brought that. I mean, the the, the best way I can put it, and I've said this before, is I feel like I I learn about football watching Mikel Arteta's teams. And I'm seeing things that I've never seen before. Mm. I've never seen someone do what Kieran Tierney's doing, for example, in this... uh, Watching Arsenal for 20 years, I've never seen a guy effectively play, it seems at times, in two positions, um, depending on, you know, where the ball is on the field Mm. and and what's happening. Uh, You know, we are not accustomed to watching that. And it has been going on at other clubs, uh, notably at City, But it feels like we are now part of that evolution. Mm. And you you mentioned Michael Cox's piece about, uh, you know, Arteta's team and how they play out from the back. It does feel like we are slightly. We're even using different language, aren't we, in terms of how we talk about the team? Yeah. And it feels like it's overdue. You know, Arsene Wenger wasn't. Maybe, uh, you know, at one point he was at the forefront of that evolution, but maybe fell behind. Uh Unai Emery, um, I don't think any of us to this day are exactly clear on exactly what he was trying to do. Um So, yeah, I think Arteta has brought that. And it's really exciting. And it, it genuinely has been an education. Mm. i sort of own up to a degree of ignorance because we've been watching Arsenal so long and that's not been part of the discourse, really.
2: Mm. Okay.
1: Uh, OK, so we've got a couple more questions here. This is from Hal Chambers, and he says, Hi, lads. Lacazette's turnaround in form since the Wolves game has been remarkable. What do you think has led to this turnaround? It can't just be confidence alone. And then he says, "As a secondary question, and do we now keep
2: him at all costs? Um, another one where you... you you look at what he's done in the last few games, and you think that would be very useful, wouldn't it, on a more consistent basis, on a, on a regular basis? Um, but also, if we revisit the Ainsley Maitland-Niles discussion from that cynical point of view, he's a player who has perhaps reminded people that he's, you know, he's um, quite valuable and um, could command a big fee in the in the transfer market. So, look. If Mikel Arteta can get those kind of performances and that kind of contribution out of him on a regular basis, I would have no problem with with keeping him. I just wonder if the good form and the uptick in form might make it easier for us to to sell him and to cash in and maybe bring in a player more aligned with what arteta wants or or i don't know i mean we'll, we'll just have to wait and see it's it's one of those things that after a good result and after a good performance you're sort of like you're you're much more inclined to see the positive view of of a player and obviously a, a team and a manager and that's completely understandable i just wonder if again difficult decisions in order to rebuild might have to be made um You know, and he is at at that two year point. He's at the two year point. So it's now do you renew? Do you give him a new contract? Do you give him a pay rise? Do you, you know, it is a tricky one. It's a decision that obviously Arteta and and the executives at the club are going to have to sit down and make. Um, And maybe there's, you know, like Maitland-Niles, there's an element of something the player wants as well. I mean, he seems happy. You know, he seems like he likes it at Arsenal and he's obviously playing with his mate Aubameyang and everything else. So I'm not sure he's a guy who's desperate to leave or anything like that, but he might be a guy that Arsenal find hard not to sell if the right offer comes in.
1: Yeah, I I think that's a good point i mean it really does come down to what is on offer for him i think you know we don't know enough yet about the market to know who's going to be buying who's going to pay a fee that we would consider selling him for and i think if that is there then there is a big decision to be made uh, because i think at his age it's a relatively attractive proposition to move him on mm. in terms of what's making him better i mean I don't have as far to row back as some because I never believed he was as bad as some people accused him of being. I, you know, I, I, He was our player of the year last season. I've said it so many times, but you don't become shit overnight. Uh, he is benefiting from a revised role in the team. I mean, something I've said previously is it felt like he was being asked to be on the halfway line, holding up the play and chasing people down and then to arrive in the penalty box and it didn't feel necessarily like he was capable of doing it. Uh, and Eddie and Ketia can kind of do those dramatic shuttle runs, sort of end to end, halfway line to six yard box. Lacazette is playing markedly deeper now. It started against Spurs, mm. continued against Liverpool, and uh, and City. And it's you know I think Pepe and Aubameyang are generally more advanced than him, and I think it's reducing the, the ground he has to cover. Mm. Um, but I think but, without that, he would have had no chance making it through this week.
2: Sure, but you know again, this is this is a discussion about how we approach games against the likes of Villa and um, yeah, uh, exactly, and Watford. Like we, we don't need our centre forward to be man marking whoever the fuck Villa have got in, in midfield. You know, it's not that kind of a, a game. So it's it's uh, how we need to play in those games in which we should expect to have control um, that might determine whether or not Lacazette is the player that, that Arteta wants long-term in that position, you know?
1: Yeah, it's, it's, it's tricky, isn't it? And whether, whether the alternative can do that job as well as him. I mean, it wasn't just Lacazette's um, defensive work I thought was good against City. I mean, actually, his his link-up play and his, you know, you mentioned the pass-up to Bellerin, but there were a couple of really nice moments of technical play from him there. Mm. He clearly feels a lot better imse- about himself as a footballer. But, yeah, he's definitely going to rest against Villa, isn't he? I mean, yeah. it, it, in fact, it wouldn't surprise me if he didn't start until the FA Cup final because it's Villa and Watford mm. and you, you want him... You want him on Jorginho's heels, probably, against Chelsea at Wembley in a, in a couple of weeks' time. Mm,
2: okay, well, we'll have to we'll have to talk about that um, closer to the time. Here's one from at BB's blog, um, which I quite liked. He said, how do you think Genduzzi and Ozil feel today? I imagine it's like looking through a load of photos on Instagram of all your friends at an amazing party that you pretended you were too cool to go to.
1: <laughs> great question. I mean, it, listen. up. In some ways, uh, it's a shame to mention them. Genuinely, no, 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 no. I not just, part I, of
2: this. I agree, and I don't want to go down the discussion on either. I just thought that was a I really think they good. They must
1: point. feel like I must think. Well, to continue my trend of swearing, I think they must feel like absolute cunts. To be honest <laughs> with you, they must feel like prize cunts. Yeah, they could have been part of something great. They didn't, you know, meet the manager's demands, and they're not. And the fact that Ursula wasn't on the bench and Smith, is it Smith? Uh, Matt Smith, yeah. Yeah, was instead. I mean, it tells you absolutely everything mm. about their standing with the head coach. And they must feel embarrassed. And they should feel embarrassed. And I cannot wait to get shot at them. Fuck them.
2: All right, cool. Well, look, let's move on (laughs) to another question. Do you want me uh, to ask, or have you got one lined up there?
1: Uh, well this is sort of looking slightly ahead to the final I, I thought we should deal with this because there is an Arsenal relation Queen Guna on Twitter said did you hear Olivier Giroud saying he's a blue what do you think <laughs> about the comment does it bother you or not because he's been at Chelsea for some years now
2: uh, I like this one as well it's, uh, from the Naked Citizens who's at Naked Citizens 1 who says dear blog I was confident we beat Chelsea because we have FA Cup powers until I thought about Giroud who's FA Cup May Trump ours. I think he's talking about his FA Cup, FA Cup powers. How do you think we can strip him of these powers? A, shave his beard. B, injure his cruciate. C, cut off his cock. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I go with the beard first. the
1: ultimate Olivier Giroud goal, by the way. I don't know if you saw yeah, it. Yeah, I saw it yesterday. One of yeah. the most Olivier Giroud goals I've ever seen. I,
2: I'm not going to argue or lie and say I'm not worried about Giroud because of, you know, uh, the memories of Baku are still there. Um, What do I think about him saying he's a blue... Look, he's a footballer doing a job. He had some good years at Arsenal. I liked him as a player. I thought he was a good striker. He was, you know, he was guilty of not being what people wanted him to be rather than not being what he was, if, if that mm. makes sense. You know, he was a solid 20 goal a season striker. Um, there was a reason why we were constantly on the market for an upgrade, uh, which we never seemed to find. We did find an upgrade. And in order to make that upgrade happen, we had to sell him to Chelsea. I think
1: everybody won in that deal because, you know, we got Aubameyang, Mm. who's better and scores more goals. Uh, Chelsea got Giroud, who's been decent for them. and He got a move to stay in London and play football. I don't really have any recriminations about the whole thing.
2: No, and look, player saying something positive about his uh, current club before he faces his old club is not really. uh,
1: No, Louise will say nice things about Arsenal. Do you know what I mean? Modern football's changed. Players can move to big clubs. It's not such a huge deal, I don't
2: think. No, but we do have a massive, bearded, potentially cockless uh pantomime villain going into this one so you know bring it on bring it on i say it's part of the it's part of the entertainment um we are a little bit pressed for time we've been going for a while i just want to do this one question um before we go from uh prashant patil who's at p prashant who says good morning guys santi Cazorla, obviously, uh, not Claus, is one of the most adored players in the post-Hybrid era, and I guess he knows how much he's loved at Arsenal, yet it hurts how he didn't get a chance to say a proper goodbye, and there's a picture underneath of all the Villarreal players uh, holding Cazorla aloft, they're giving him the old uh, whoopsie-daisy up in the air, and uh, Prashant wants to know, is there something the club can actually do to make this wish come true, and you know, Cazorla is leaving Villarreal at the same time as Unai Emery is arriving. Apparently he's going to be the new coach of VRL. Oh, really? Yeah.
1: Um, well, uh, maybe for the best. I think he's going out to play in the Middle East, is it For Qatar,
2: uh, uh, for the team that Xavi manages in Qatar, that right. is the story, yeah.
1: Yeah, uh, well, fair play to him. I mean, he's, he, I'm sure he'll do very well out there in lots of different ways. Mm. And... Um, I, look, I'd love to say oh let's get Santi back for a game or something like that I think given the way uh, football the state of the world is right now the, the fact that the leagues aren't necessarily going to be synced up mm. uh, the fact that we don't really know what preseason is going to look like I suspect international matches in preseason are going to be avoided in as far as they possibly can um I don't know if it's going to happen. Mm. I'd love I'd love to see him back. But uh, hey, if he's going to come back, let's at least have him back when there is actually a crowd there to thank him for what he did for us.
2: That is a really good point. That's a really good point. Yeah, maybe the first game that the crowds are allowed back, we can uh, bring Santi over, give him the old, you know, executive box treatment, give, him a, time, give him a nice hot dog, you know, complimentary hot dog and a, an orange squash. And he can come out and he can hold the FA Cup On the pitch, in front of the fans.
1: I would absolutely love that. How about
2: that? I would absolutely
1: love that. Just before we go, I I didn't really ask you, how do you feel about Chelsea in the final? Did you watch the other semi-final?
2: I did, and I was sorry that we're not playing Manchester United because De Gea is a mess and Harry Maguire is fucking hilarious. It Mm. is just... Uh, I think I said in the blog today it's like somebody put an Easter island statue on the body of Frankenstein and 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 sold him for 80 million pounds I cannot believe it cheap. at least he was cheap. <sighs> unbelievable <laughs> the only the only I mean I think Chelsea are a more dangerous team than United I think they've got um they're they're younger they're more physical they're faster they've got greater variety to their threats um you know in midfield and up front um and yeah, I think I probably would have preferred to face United. I do like that uh, Bruno Fernandez guy, though. He he's Always really good. good, isn't he?
1: I mean, he he's the kind of player Arsenal need. I mean, I look at that United midfield. I look at you know Pogba and, Fernandes mm. and I think, oh, one of those would be nice. <laughs>
2: Yeah, but I mean, I think it's a, an illustration of how one really good player can make a big difference to a team. It's yeah. not to say that we don't need more than one player in the transfer market uh, before anyone loses their reason, but it it shows you that one really, really good player can have a big, big difference on a team. Big difference. Yeah,
1: yeah. I mean, thinking about someone like him, you know, linking Arsenal's midfield and attack, suddenly it really does change the picture. I actually, to disagree, I'm relatively pleased to be playing Chelsea. I know they're better than United in some respects and I know they're comfortably above above us in the league table. Mm. But I worried much more about that United attack, the front three and Fernandes. I just thought... They they had looked very good prior to this Chelsea game, and I was a little bit anxious about uh, facing them. And Chelsea's keepers aren't great either, so we've That's, always got that in our stead.
2: That is true. I just really hate Solskjær, though. Right? Yeah. Like yeah, I don't. Yeah. I'm not a fan of Lampard, obviously, but I just really hate Ole Gunnar Solskjær. So well, I would have liked he was to sad have made yesterday, sad.
1: but you'd, you would have liked to make him I'd sad. I'd like liked sad. him to
2: be even more sad by losing sure. a final. But hey.
1: He looks like a crier, I'll be honest.
2: (laughs) I don't care really which manager loses uh, the final. uh, uh, Listen, Frank Lampard
1: losing a final is no bad thing.
2: No, no. Very, very true. We can't complain
1: with that prospect.
2: We won't complain. All right, look, we are going to leave it there. Thank you as ever for being here. Hope you've enjoyed it. Hope it's been a goodly morning for you. We do have a game tomorrow night. We will have a podcast for you of some description on Wednesday. Not quite sure exactly what yet, but uh, we will have something post-game after the Villa game. And uh, I can't really think of anything else that we need to talk about. Do we need a bit more robot?
1: I was going to say... Surely, end on the robot voice.
2: Yeah, yeah. Oh, I'm a sexy robot. Oh, hang <sighs> on. Here we go. Oh my God. Hello, hello. hello, hello, hello. Uh, i don't know Gary what Neville. There's
1: Gary Neville again. Steal my hand. Right, I think I'll say bye-bye. bye bye. Bye bye.